Chapter 21. This mouth is no metaphor. In its winding, tasty way, twisty way, the flashlight kept them going, its path never making any more sense than it had before. The solstice day was dawning. They had until midnight tonight to get in and out of the rift or else. Well, Pau was trying really hard not to think about what happened if she failed. She dug into Sal's food pack when her hunger got unbearable. There was a tough skillet bread, dried meat, and fruit, three bottles of water, and at the bottom, a sleeve of starburst. Pau let out a whoop of joy that echoed strangely in the mist. Bruto startled, bounded, bounding away and then creeping back. Want no starburst in the heart of darkness or wherever you came from? Pau asked, taking the pink square at the top of at the top as a good omen. She popped it in her mouth and brutal whined. You want one too? Pau asked him, and his ears perked up. She pulled out a yellow and unwrapped it. There was no way she was going to eat that one anyway, even if it was the last source of calories on earth. When she tossed it to Bruto, he just watched it fall, then gobbled it up off the ground afterward, dirt and all. If they'd just been able to walk in a straight line, they could have traveled so much faster, she thought. But they never passed the same landmark twice, and for about the hundredth time since entering the cactus field, geez, it had only been two days, had it only been two days ago, Pau gave in to the nonsense. Wherever the light led her, she followed, and wherever she went, Bruto came too. Along the way, she started to teach Bruto tricks, just to pass the time. There were five yellow starbursts in the pack, and Pau pulled pieces of, off them as they went, trying sit, stay, and come commands whenever they paused for rest. Bruto was fine with trotting alongside her or up ahead, but he was utterly hopeless at following orders. Even if Pau had told him to do things he was already doing, he would immediately stop and do the opposite. Training a puppy is hard work, Paola, said her mom's voice in her head, but Pau waved it off. This wasn't just any puppy. It was a creature of the void. Shouldn't it have powers and stuff? Pau told the creature of the void to come. He ran away. She told him to sit. He jumped. Useless, she shouted, then he ran right up and jumped on her. Down, she said. He turned in a circle and jumped up on her again. Forget it, Pau told him, putting away half a yellow starburst. After that, there was only one whole one left. Stay here for all I care. When she walked away, Bruto followed obediently. Another hour passed, and still there was nothing interesting in the landscape, just the same spindly cactus and bone-like rocks littering the never-ending dust. They had walked miles, Pau thought, as they, had sat, as they sat down to rest, though she wasn't sure how many. The first of the three water bottles Sal had given her was almost empty, and Bruto had eaten half the dried meat. I'm going to starve because of you, she told him, but she dribbled water into his mouth and rolled her eyes affectionately. And my mom said I couldn't take care of a puppy. Just look at me now. Bruto was appropriately impressed, and Pau was thankful she had someone to talk to besides herself, even if it was a demon lizard beast. Roll over, Pau said, holding up the yellow starburst half. Bruto sat. She gave it to him anyway. Terrible, she said in a cooing, affectionate voice. You're a terrible, disobedient wretch. He licked her face and rubbed against her ankles like a cat. You know, she said in a conversational tone as they walked, if I die out here, you'll probably eat me, won't you? The puppy whined, and Pau chose to take it as a promise that he wouldn't, instead of a complaint that the starburst was sticking his jaws together. If we run into any of your big brothers, maybe we can use the candy to incapacitate them. It was a ridiculous thought, and Bruto didn't dignify it with a response, but Pau stashed the last yellow square in the pocket of her jeans, just in case.
Come on, boy, she said. We're almost there. He cocked his head to the side. You're right, Pow admitted. I'm full of it. I have no idea where there is, where we're going, let alone how long it'll take to get there. Come on. Bruto took three steps toward her. Was he finally learning a command? Pow's heart was in her throat. Not even half of the way to her, he sat down. Ugh. Pow threw up her hands and walked away. Ten seconds later, he darted past her and lifted his leg on a scrubby bush. They continued on. What else could they do? Pow tried not to think about the fact that the flashlight couldn't take them back to camp. This was a one-way trip. It better be worth it, she grumbled. As if someone had heard her, the landscape started to change. Under their feet, the sand grew lighter, going from black to gray to bone white, while the skeletal rocks sprang up bigger, like mushrooms. The cacti widened, arms spreading out like they could hold up the moon, which was visible for the first time, low and almost orange along the horizon line. Black moss-like stuff started appearing in little clumps on the cacti, and as they walked on, it grew longer and dripped from the arms until Pau was pushing aside curtains of the stuff. This was what the landscape had looked like in her dream, the white sand and black moss of the place where the giant mouth had opened in the sky. They were getting close. Bruto didn't seem at all alarmed, Pau noted, but why would he? He was a monster, and he was on his way home. It terrified Pau, though. Did that mean she wasn't a monster after all? I guess that's what I'm here to find out, she told herself, straightening her shoulders and taking comfort from the presence of the little beast beside her. The sky was hazy now, the sun casting a strange blood-red light over everything. Pau thought the air felt different, too, more humid, like they had walked from the desert straight into a swamp. For the first time since she'd first tried, was turned it on by accident, the flashlight's beam wasn't bending at weird angles. It stayed straight. The target had to be nearby, didn't it? <clears throat> Pow's legs cramped, and her eyes burned from the effort of holding them open. She wanted to rest, to lie down in her bed under her star comforter, and sleep for a whole day, maybe two. But this wasn't her room. It might well have been an unexplored planet, and there was no guarantee the, alien cre the next alien creature she encountered would be as friendly as Brutal. The thought of outer space gave Pau the strength to go on, as she pretended this was her first mission to another world, and the fate of the universe depended on her. Just like in the games she and Dante had played on the shag carpet, with one spaceship and one astronaut between them. But Dante wasn't here now, and that was why she was doing this, to find him and Emma. For a long stretch, Bruto's bouncing energy kept her going. She'd given up on the training, thankful for that for now he was staying close, urging her on when she was like when she lagged behind. Just a little farther, she told herself, when she was so tired that it felt like her soul was her very soul was being sucked from the soles of her shoes. Just a little farther. Miles shrank to yards, yards shrank to feet, feet shrank to single footsteps, one after the other. Pow stopped noticing the landscape just looked down at her shoes against the pale sand as she dragged one foot past the other one more time. <clears throat> one more time. One more time. It was when she didn't think she could go another step that she saw it, a black hole the size of a golf ball, just floating in the air. But what was it? She kept her distance from the spot, examining it as best she could from where she stood, but the discoverer in her wanted nothing more than to measure it, to touch it, to find out what was glinting like metal at its edges. That's another world, Pal thought, and goosebumps broke out on her arms. Imagining the opening had been one thing, 
dreaming it another, but this was the real deal right in front of her, and Pau felt the gravity of the moment settle over her, making her stand up straighter. Bruto ran around her ankles, yipping and snuffling happily. Pau understood. He was a monster, and this was where he was supposed to be, deep down inside. She shared his joy, which came from more than just her satisfaction at accomplishing a goal. The entrance was a bit like the Florida water. It felt like home, not as much as her apartment, but enough to make her wonder. As if it were reacting to their presence, the hole began to grow, like a cosmic finger was wiggled into the knitted sweater of the universe. Its outer ring gyrated, and the blackness in the center was so absolute, Pau wasn't sure she should look at it, like the sun during an eclipse. The glinting edges elongated into fangs, and the darkness took shape until Pau, for the millionth time since she'd left the Riverside Palace, could hardly tell dream from reality. She'd figured from her nightmares that the mouth was some kind of metaphor, but now, watching the opening widen, she realized she should have known better. There were no lips, just spreading edges of darkness, teeth at the top and bottom, and a tongue extending back like some kind of horrible carpet. The emptiness spread across the sky as though the whole landscape were just a photograph and someone had spilled a bottle of ink on its surface. It didn't bend or reshape itself to accommodate the surroundings. It didn't care if it was obliterating sand or cactus or sky. It just opened wider and wider until Pau could walk through it. What she didn't expect was something inside her to urge her to do just that. She would have obeyed, wouldn't have been able to help it, but then she got a better look at what she at what was waiting inside. Hundreds of eyes, green and glowing, slitted with malevolence. This was another thing her dream hadn't depicted accurately. The ahogados were waiting in that gloom, and they were hungry. But Pau had been waiting too. She stuck the flashlight in her belt, knowing she could only use it once. If she turned it on too early, all this would end before it even began. Pau pulled out her knife, the one Marissa had disdained, and peered into the obstacle that just a few short days ago had defeated the centuries-old immortal leader of Los Niños de la Luz. But she wasn't Marissa, and she wasn't Franco. She was Paola Santiago, not a Niña de la Luz, coming to snuff out darkness. She had darkness within her, and that part of her was coming home. She was certain of it now. Bruto stood completely still at her feet, the protrusions on his back dancing as the rift yawned wider and wider, the air blowing out of it, moldy and damp, every bit as spooky as the malevolent magical realm's breath should be. The opening twice her height now, and the eyes inside seemed to be multiplying, if that were even possible. She thought of the ninos waiting at camp for a deluge of monsters. If she did what she'd come here to do, they'd never have to face them again. Pau pictured Sal and smiled. Pau knew the ahogados were ready to swarm her, to feed on all the shining confidence she had known just was lurking just under her skin. Bring it on, she whispered into the toothy chasm, and the ghosts obeyed.